abolish it, turn it into a new arena for the other Ottawa senators. But do something, just get rid of it. Ah, the Senate. It's been another brutal week for the sober second thoughters. So is kill it the answer? Chantel and Bruce are here. Andrew is away, but Huffington Post Ottawa Bureau Chief Althea Raj is in his seat tonight, and we welcome you to it. Um, watch this, first of all, before anybody says anything. This is the history of the NDP on the Senate going back to Ed Broadbent. Watch this. Will he do the correct thing and try to mobilize the people of Canada and the provincial premiers to abolish the Senate? The Senate is a dinosaur of an institution that deserves to join our friends here today. An example of a bygone era. Our policy is that the Senate should be abolished and the process to get there we proposed in the House of Commons just a few weeks ago is to uh, have a referendum and let Canadians decide. And the NDP will be seeking a mandate in October from the Canadian voting public to continue our work of trying to abolish the Senate. All right, so the NDP has been consistent at least for the last 30 years from Ed Broadbent right through to uh, today with Tom Mulcair. Is it, it may be consistent, but this guy could actually be prime minister if one believes yeah, the polls. Sure Can I'd, he pull it off? Well, it'd be popular to promise to abolish winter and be consistent about it too. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is that the, the Senate does not belong to the prime minister of the day, as Stephen Harper could tell Mr. Mulcair, who certainly knows that. Uh, that the only way to do anything about the Senate is to have a constitutional negotiation, that there are groups that have requests coming to that table, the province of Quebec, where Mr. Mulcair hails from, the First Nations. Does that sound familiar? But more than that, to abolish, you need every single province to say yes. So have a referendum and have a majority of Canadians say yes to abolition and have 60% of people in Nova Scotia say no. What do you think the Premier of Nova Scotia, who speaks for the 60% who say no, what, what do you think he's going to say? Gee, you know, all these other Canadians want it gone, but you don't, so I'm going to sign off on this. It, it is a, a, a snake oil type of promise. It's popular. People say, well, forget the Constitution. I would like Mr. Mulcair to explain that in the province of Quebec, where you cannot change the Constitution without consent from the provinces. Snake oil, Althea? Yeah, I tend to agree with Chantal on this one. I think it's very popular, and it's especially very popular now, and it's really easy for the NDP to put that out there and fundraise off of it. Um, but without actually saying how you plan to accomplish it, and Mr. Mulcair seems to think that the Senate on its own, uh, the provinces will be ready to, you know, not trade their support for something else, and I think that's totally unrealistic. You know, the, taking Chantel's example, Bruce, of a, you know, a referendum, but, but what if there was a referendum and all provinces within that referendum said, yes, abolish it? Would that not make it hard for any provincial government then to say, no, 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 mm -hmm. we want to keep it? It depends what the public would do. And, of course, the history of referendums around the world is generally that it's easy to start with a relatively high yes vote for an idea that seems popular. But more often than people might imagine, the no side wins in referendums because over time people become more familiar with the arguments against the change that seems so shiny and appealing at the beginning. So uh, I sense something in what Mr. Mulcair was saying of a bit of a shift, a little bit more of a defensive posture. What he was saying wasn't elect me and the Senate will be gone. He was saying elect us and we will continue our work to try to abolish the Senate. Now whether he's going to get away with 
Um, whether he'll be able to hold that line, uh, corral those kind of populist votes, the more he's forced into that situation of really acknowledging that he can't abolish the Senate. And there's very little chance that he can get the kind of consensus that would lead to that abolition. That's the next chapter of this story. The danger for Thomas Mulcair on this, and I do note that uh, the language has become try rather than all abolish the Senate, is that the last place he wants to be in the next election campaign is arguing about constitutional change against the Federalist Premier of Quebec. Mm -hmm. And Philippe Couillard has very firm views on the fact that the Senate is important to Quebec and should be kept. And that is not where Thomas Mulcair wants to be in this debate. And the more he pushes it, the more it becomes a substantial discussion with more and more people saying, wait a minute, what are you saying here? Uh, and, and I think it's, you know, populist, but uh, dangerous for you the know, NDP. Rosie Barton did a great interview with Tom Mulcair yesterday uh, about the Senate issue. And this was one uh, very particular moment in that interview where Tom Mulcair was talking about what he thinks of the Senate. Watch this. It costs $100 million a year to keep those people doing nothing useful in a democracy. This well, is a democracy. Did you, do you really believe that, that they are doing yes, nothing? Absolutely. You have that. not met a senator who is doing important parliamentary work reviewing no, legislation? No, I haven't. You haven't? No, never. Never, ever seen a senator do important work. Nobody watches the Senate more than you do. Do they do important work? Sometimes. Um, I think it's rather disingenuous, Mr. Mulcair, to suggest that. I mean, the bill that he cared so passionately about last year, the Fair Elections Act, really was actually amended in the Senate. Um, senators do, some senators, do some very good work. I think the problem that a lot of Canadians have and that the NDP has is that a lot of that work seems to be partisan. And I think if you took partisanship out of the Senate, then perhaps we would actually get to see what the chamber actually does. And does that serve a purpose? And if we do have a referendum, do we put reforming the Senate uh, on that referendum? Or is it a simple question of abolition? I'll give you one example of, uh, that maybe Mr. Mulcair missed because it wasn't in his day. The Senate pushed the right to die file and the right mm -hmm. to assisted suicide yeah. a lot further than any parliamentarian, starting with the NDP, has had the courage to do under Sharon Carstairs. Uh, they did a lot of really useful background work on Medicare. It may not be legislative work, but it's work that no politician wanted to undertake in the other house because it was an, a, a difficult file where you couldn't really have the discussion without being accused of wanting to get rid of Medicare. Uh, I don't know, Romeo Dallaire might beg to differ that he didn't make a contribution uh, to the discussion in, the, in Parliament because Parliament is more than just the House of Commons. All right, here's, here's the track record on Stephen Harper. Bruce, you watch this because I want your thoughts on, uh, on where you think he is now on the Senate or what he's actually done on the Senate. Watch this, Harper on the Senate. As a Western Canadian, I wake up every day and it bothers me. Well, I wonder then. I curse the Senate. We've tried and will continue to try, my friends, to reform the Senate of Canada. I'm disappointed that after four years, we have no meaningful Senate reform of any kind. I thought we'd get at least something. We're not there yet, but, you know, I'm appointing people who support that agenda. The only party that has tried to reform the Senate. We were blocked by the other parties in the minority parliaments, and we're now being blocked in the courts. So, friends, it is time for the Senate to show it can reform itself. You know, just like budgets balance themselves, I guess the Senate can reform itself. What do, you, what do you make of all that? Well, it seems like he must be sleeping better these days because this week, of course, he's saying the Senate's not really my business. It has to take care of its own business. And it did remind me to go back and think just in the last few years, let alone some of the earlier clips of the various positions that Mr. Harper's taken on the Senate. Um, 
when the stories first emerged about Pamela Wallen, his, defense, his, his response to that was, uh, I'm going to rally to support a conservative. He said, uh, I looked at her expenses. They look more or less normal to me. As the pressure built on Senators Duffy, Wallen, and Brezzo, the Prime Minister kind of assumed the role of angry sheriff, the kind of role that got him elected in the first place, and he said, we need to throw these people out of the Senate, and the Senators need to take that action. He had Conservative MPs say the same thing. When they were suspended, Mr. Harper attempted to claim credit for that, probably with some merit, saying it's a good thing that they were thrown out and they're not getting a paycheck anymore. So for him to say now, in the midst of all these revelations that are troubling Canadians, that it's really not his business, he doesn't have anything to add to the discussion, I think his opponents have to be hoping that he tries to stick to that line because he was a pretty merciless puncher when he was campaigning for office on these kinds of issues in 2004 and 2006. And his jaw looks exposed on this issue now. I want to move to another personality who's back on Parliament Hill. Uh, and we're talking to Gilles Duceppe, obviously, the Bloc Québécois, once again the leader, got wiped out in the last election. This is the question that was put to him yesterday, and the answer gives you some indication, perhaps, of why he used to win so many of the English language debates when he was in them. Watch this. You say this is not a Hail Mary pass. Is this a bit of a Hail Mary pass? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you know football a bit, but I've I, I never seen a team starting a game with a Hail Mary. Never, never, never. I mean, that coach would be fired, and that quarterback would be no more the quarterback of the team. Never, 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 never. <laughs> no, he actually says he likes doing English language debates better than French language debates, and, the, and, and English Canadians love watching it. Actually, Does this make a difference? Well, the game, the game is already started. It is a desperate move, but suppose that you're falling off a cliff and someone throws you a rope. Maybe that person can't hold you up. But he should grab that rope, and Chidusep is that rope for the Québécois. Just because it's desperate doesn't mean that it's not the last best thing that they can try. The Bloc is going nowhere. Uh, Mr. Duceppe is a known quantity. He is still well-respected in Quebec. He will hold his own at the leaders' debate. He has more experience than any of the others at debates. Um, consider this, except for Lucien Bouchard, the Bloc has never had a campaign that was not run by Chidusep over its entire life. Will it make a difference? That's another issue. Uh, very hard to tell because uh, Quebecers were quite definitive in their vote last time and the polls have been consistent on the absence of buyer's remorse for having gotten rid of the Bloc. Althea? Well, I think the Bloc, which now only has two seats in the House of Commons, was probably at risk of having zero. So uh, having Gilles Stepp replace Mario Boulieu is a definite plus. I don't know that if I would be the NDP, I would be actually, you know, terrified. But I think it's not a bad thing for the Liberals to have Gilles uh, Step back in, uh, in charge of the bloc. Uh, it may not be a bad thing for the Conservatives either, so we'll see. But it's, it's definitely not a bad thing for the Liberals. Yeah, for the last little while, pretty much everything has been going the NDP's way. I think the NDP had two bad moments this week. It's, it's impossible, regardless of whether we know how well Jill Zuzep will do, it's impossible to look at that as being a good news announcement for the NDP. It's going to cause them to pay some more attention to what's happening in Quebec. Um, and the other moment was the Mulcair moment, where I think we're seeing the start of that period where Canadians are going to test and retest their assumptions based on who looks like they're leading or getting some momentum in the polls. And how Mr. Mulcair responds to those kinds of questions, deals with those situations, including the involvement of Mr. Decep 
will be a really important test for the NDP going forward. Um, we're going to start a regular feature as we get closer to the campaign, and that's sort of the, the photo of the moment, the photo of the week, the photo op of the week, especially when it involves um, props paid for by you. Here's this week's winner. President Putin's invasion of Ukraine undertaken to serve his own domestic agenda, political agenda, to divert attention from Russia's long-term decline under his rule and to interfere with the democratic aspirations of a sovereign country, these things must not be allowed to stand. Stephen Harper, yesterday on board a Canadian vessel on the other side of the world. Um, you know, there used to be a day when Canadian prime ministers traveled overseas, and it was the banner story for days on end. This one sort of went by, for the most part, unnoticed. What's changed? Possibly the impression that the Prime Minister extended that trip at both ends to be away from the real wars that were taking place in the House of Commons. Possibly. You mean he might have been <laughs> deflecting a little bit. I mean, I didn't. Right. Uh, and possibly because uh, he could have said everything that he said from home. I don't know that it wasn't really covered. I mean, the G7. Uh, it was covered. It just didn't used to get the kind of coverage that these. Well, maybe that did. was way back in the day before I was around. Yes. It was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't know. I mean, I thought that the photo op that lasted only 10 minutes with the Pope, in which he didn't mention at all the call for an apology, uh, you know, garnered some attention. I think that perhaps we just don't have or we don't have a message that carries that much weight anymore. Uh, I agree with Chantal, though. I think he just did not want to be in the chamber when all the Senate questions were, be, were being asked of him. So, you know, they manufactured this extra wing of the trip so they wouldn't be in Ottawa. He, uh, he got 10 minutes with the Pope. Um, his arch enemy, Putin, got an hour with the Pope after meeting the Pope wait an hour, too. So and there, how there, long there's with a the bit media? Of because in the old days, they'd also helped. It. Yeah. The prime minister spoke every day to the media. That's right. Pardon. We're out of time. <laughs> but thank you, Bruce, for being willing to go another round. I'll be ready in a month or you so. You will be ready. Oh, that's right. You're off for a bit, and we're going to miss you. And thanks all to you.